It's something different every week, isn't it? I was like, it just doesn't feel right. I don't know. Okay, here we go. Is that better? We good there? All right, good. Well, okay, so VBS week, right? It's always fun. No matter what, like, denomination you came from, Catholic, Baptist, Lutheran, non-denominational, you fill in the blank, there will always be seats on the front row, no matter how busy it is. BJ took it. It was totally empty right there, but BJ came and took one. So, um, But we're so glad that y'all are here with us this morning. It's been a big week around here. And we're in this series right now called Words Create Worlds. And we're just talking about this idea of how much of a gift it is that we have been given the ability to speak, right? Like God has given us the ability to speak. And it's the way that we communicate so much of life and so much of what we know. And it sets us apart in all of creation, the way that we communicate, the way that we talk, the way that we interact with each other. And so as we look at these things and as we wrestle with this, right, the words that we speak really create the worlds that we live in. And some of you grew up in homes where words were spoken in a certain way, and that just defined the environment, right? And for some of you, you've been in classrooms where your teachers spoke in a certain way, and it just completely defined the whole environment. And so the question we've really been asking is, you know, how do the words that we speak, are we being good stewards with the gifts of words that we have been given to those around us and how we live those out? And some of you, you know people who just like, you're like, man, they are just wonderful with their words. And some people you're like, they just need to like, if there's classes for it, we should send them to it because they need some help with their words, right? Because it's just negative, negative, negative kind of stuff. But every now and then you, you encounter people who just really get this right. And um, one person that, I, that I've seen over the last couple of weeks is this guy that we just hired under our staff. His name's Christian, and you'll see his picture up there. And if you, if you pay attention to Christian, th- there's something that he does that I have um, had as kind of a lead point this morning for, for this idea of words is that one thing that I hope by the end of the day we talk a little bit about more is that we become people who lead with love in our words. We want to be people who lead with love in our words. And so when we start speaking, like every time, right, it is words of love, it is words of hope, it is words of joy, it is words of, you know, good things that begin. And I noticed this with Christian as he was walking around, and if you've had any conversations with him, they're like, you just start any conversation with him, and it's like he defaults to just forcing something good out of his mouth. It's like if he pulled up to his house and like the garage was on fire, I feel like he would walk up and be like, wow, y'all keep this fire truck really clean. You're just wonderful at what you do. Like, I can't believe, I've never even seen that fire hydrant. Look at that, you just found it so fast, you know? Like, that would, like, be his default mode in every interaction, right? And so how do we do that? How do we get ourselves to a place where we lead with love? And I think there's, there's a piece of this where when we understand that our heart's been transformed, right, by Christ, when we see that, know that, begin to live that, right, the, the scriptures tell us in Proverbs, Jesus mentions this, he says that, like, our words are the overflow of our hearts, Right? And so the condition of our heart, that flows out and that creates the words that come out of our mouths. And so the overflow of our hearts are the words that we speak. And so that means we take a lot of care about what goes on in our hearts. And we trust that when we surround ourselves with the things of God, when we fill ourselves with the things of God, that God's spirit begins to transform our heart. But along with that, right, we find that there's some disciplines that we can do, that we can build into this, right? And this idea of leading with love is a really good discipline that we begin, what begins to happen, right, is when we begin to intentionally lead with love in our words, and our conversations, that what starts to happen is we start to see the things we're looking for, right? When we say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to begin speaking. When I, whenever I have an interaction with somebody, I'm going to start with a compliment. You just start looking for the good in others, right? When I say, you know, I'm just going to give thanks to God for something. When I roll out of bed this morning, the first words that come out of my mouth are going to be thanks to God. And when that begins to happen, right, we begin to see more of the grace of God in our lives. 
When we begin to, you know, give thanks that God forgives us in spite of all of our brokenness, it's like when we start to speak those things, we begin to see those things more. And when we see those things more, our grace and our thankfulness and our gratitude for those things we've been given begins to increase and our heart begins to be transformed. And then the things that begin to overflow from our heart are these things of gratitude, these things of love, these things of hope, these things of joy that we surround ourselves with. And so when we talk about our words and the way that we speak to others, um, one, one thing that's really formative in this and one thing that's really important in this is the way that we view other people, right? So it's important how we view ourselves because when we begin to understand how God views us, like we begin to give thanks for that and we speak thanks over that. But when we begin to see that God has transformed us, we, we begin to view the world and see other people the way that God sees other people. And that shapes the way that we speak to those around us. Right? And so, so you think about this, and it makes perfect sense, right? The words that you use on a job interview are different than the words that you use in the grocery store checkout line, aren't they? Like the words that you use when you're, when you're trying to, you know, out on a first date are different than the words you're probably going to use with a family member who like wronged you or owes you some money at a 4th of July barbecue next weekend, Right? Like there's a difference, right? Because the way that we view that person, these preconceived things that we bring onto that person really shapes our words that come out to that person, right? If we think they're a fraud, like that's going to shape the way that we speak to them. If we think they're the nicest person in the world, that's going to shape the way that we think of them. And so when we go back in this passage, we're going to look at in Ephesians 4, Paul's, he's going to be talking about this kind of dichotomy of like the old way of life and the new way of life. And one of the things that, that we see in Paul and the way that he writes is the way that the scriptures, the way that Jesus, the way that the early church, the way that the scriptures advocate and lift up the value of all people was transformative for the world around us. Okay, because before this, it was really just like might made right, right? Like if you were stronger, you win, we did what you say. Like that was just how life went. But as time has went on, we begin to see the value in all kinds of people, right? We've seen the value in women. We've seen the value in all these different aspects of creation. And so when we get to that place and when we see that, the way that we view the people around us shapes the words that we speak. And so if it's just simply about what I want and what I can get, people become a means to an end, don't they? And the way that we speak shapes that. But when I see people as a gift from God, right? When I see people created in the image of God, when I see the people around me as people with sacred worth, created in the image of God by a God who loves them as much as he loves me, right? That, that shapes the way that I speak to that person. And so it shapes the way that we talk. It shapes our conversations. It gets all that around us. And so what we want to look at in this passage in Ephesians this morning is about how important it is how we view people in front of us. Because for some of us, if it's all about what I can get, what begins to happen is we begin to love things and we begin to use people, don't we? But when we really get this right and we understand God's love for us, and we can, trans, you know, we can transpose that over to other people and say, because God has done this for me in this direction, right? I begin to live differently in this direction with the people around me. And it's no longer about loving things and using people to get things, but it's about loving people, right? That's what becomes the primary objective in all of it. And so this passage in Ephesians chapter four, you got this guy, Paul. And Paul, he's, he's, the, he's the radical transformed dude, right? Like he was going all life was about how can I eliminate the church? How can I eliminate Jesus' followers? How can I stop this movement of God? And then he has this like Damascus Road experience, right? And he has this encounter with God and he comes out of it and everything is different when he comes out of this encounter. And he begins to change his mind, right? And he begins to see people differently. He begins to see the world differently. He begins to see everything around him differently. And it went from this lens of what I want to what can I give in Christ because of who God is. 
And there's, there's this, this complete turnaround for him. And so we see this right here, and he's talking to these people in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, if you have your Bibles. And he's talking to them because he understood, like, he came from where they came from. And he starts off in this, and he, and he starts off, he sounds like he's kind of harsh, but, he, but he's, he's just kind of saying it as it is right here. He says, so I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Right? We see that imagery again, right? Like what overflows from the heart. He says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. So he paints this picture, right? He says, like, in your old way, it was just really about whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted it, and it didn't really matter who was in the way, and people were a means to an end of you to just get what you wanted when you wanted. And if you were stronger, and if you were smarter, and if you were born in the right place, then you would use that power to get what you wanted out of that situation and circumstance. But Paul's like, no, 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 it's different now, right? And he isn't like, it's not so much a criticism as it is just an observation, right? He's not like saying, you know, you, you, you terrible people. He's just like, this is just what it is. Like, this is what you've been taught. And I think in that, we can see this radical transformation of what the gospel does, right? We begin to see like the radical change in a culture that the gospel brings, and when we see this way of Jesus that enters into the scene, he's saying it just used to be all about you and you took what you could get from everybody. But here, no, now it's different and it changes and it becomes not just about what we can get, but about what we can give. And in verse 20, he says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. He says, when you heard about Christ, you were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, see, there's this, this transformation that happens. It goes from what I can get to what I can give. It goes from we have to prove our worth to God speaks our worth over us because of who we are in him. And there's this total upside down shift. There's this total transformation that happens. And so then Paul talks just a little bit more. But then in verse 29, he picks up and he starts to talk to him about their words. And he says this to him. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. All right, and these, there's two words we're going to look at in this little passage, right? Unwholesome. And it's funny, the way this word translates and the way it's used in other places in Greek is that it's really like an unwholesome, but it talks about, it's often used in terms of a smell, in terms of like a really bad scent, right? These words that stink is one way that we could read that, right? It says, don't let any of these smelly words come out of your mouths. And when you think about this, I don't know, but we have a little drill at our house. Our youngest guy, Owen, who's seven, he's in charge of garbage and getting it out to the curb, which means it goes out about every other week, okay? And so occasionally, though, he forgets, you know, and, and when he does that, it will come out in the morning and I'll go and I'll take some garbage out into the garage where the garbage can is and I'll lift up that lid and I'll instantly know that he forgot to take out the garbage because it smells so 
so bad in there, right? And the minute that I open that lid, it doesn't just smell bad right there, but you start to find that smell that just kind of permeates around a little bit. And you're like, all right, we're going to keep this thing outside for the rest of the week till the garbage guy comes back, right? But the same is true with this idea with our words, I think, right? That when we see that, there's this sense that when we can speak and when we talk about gossip, when we talk about slander, when we talk about this unwholesome talk that tears down, there's a sense that when we start speaking it, it just like fills up the room with this really bad smell. We can't see it. We can't touch it, but we are confident that it's there, right? And we see that and he says, don't, don't fill the room with this. He says, don't just let this unwholesome stuff that's going to tear down and spread lies and gossip and all the junk that's going to happen with that. And he says, but only speak what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And so how do we speak words that build up? Right? What does that look like for us to be intentional with our words that we lead with love and we speak words of truth because of who we are in Christ? It changes the way that we see those around us and we begin to speak differently to them because of it. And so for some of you, um, you, know, you, you know situations and when I start talking about this, you kind of cringe because you just feel like you need this in your life. I need this in my life. I feel like I could preach about words every week because it's a constant battle for me. But as we look at this, right, when we really center ourselves and we really get ourselves aligned with the reality of who God is to us, it changes the way that we speak to others. And so when we think about who, who, who does God say we are, and when we go through the scriptures, we see a lot of different things that the scriptures say that we are. It says that we are completely loved by God and that there is no condemnation for us. We see that we can never be separated from God's love, and Romans 8 tells us that. We see that in 2 Corinthians, it talks about how we are a new creation in Christ. In the book of Ephesians that we're talking from this morning, it talks about how we are a new, we've been given every spiritual blessing, about how we have the forgiveness of sins, about this idea that we are chosen as God's people in a royal priesthood. We get to see in another place that we are the light of the world is what God calls us. We see that we get all of our needs met according to God's glorious riches. We see that we can give thanks in all circumstances because of Christ in us. We know that because of Jesus, we get this promise of eternity. We know that God's spirit comes in us and that our lives aren't just about what we can get, but we have been sent here to make a difference and God will use us in this place at this time. And when we say that, that is who we are, that shapes the way that, that we interact with those around us. And so it's VBS, and I know we've got a lot of parents, a lot of families in here. I just thought I'd say just three quick, quick kind of bullet points this morning about things that we can speak really clearly in words that we can begin to live out to the next generation around us. And maybe that's your kids, maybe that's your grandkids, maybe that's your nieces, your nephews, the kids in your classroom, whatever that is, whatever that may be. But words that I think when we begin to speak into the next generation, they begin to raise, being raised up as people who understand and know without a doubt that God is for, God's with, and God is in them as they begin to navigate life on their own. So the first one says this, that we tell our kids that we believe in them, right? We say, we believe in you. We believe in you not because of who you are, but because of who God says you are. We believe in you because our love is not circumstantial and based on performance. We believe in you and there's nothing that you could do to make me love you any more or any less. And when we say those words of this sense of security, right? And what we, we, the reason we say this, right, is because we see this character of God. And if you go to Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is being baptized. And as Jesus comes up out of the water, it says God speaks from above. And he says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Right? And, and hear this. This is really big, right? That his father says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. He hasn't played a baseball game yet. Right? You hear that? Like, I hadn't, hadn't played one sport yet. And he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. 
He hasn't gotten one report card yet. And he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. He hasn't had any kind of relation. You know, just the whole thing. It's like in this place, he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And it's because of who you are, not because of what you've done. And you see, when our kids know that deep in their souls, it begins to begin to paint a picture of a heavenly father that loves them for who they are because of who they are and how they were created. And we can speak those words of life into them. Um, number two is kind of funny when I think a little bit, but you know, we can say no to kids. I don't know if did you not, I have to remind myself of that sometimes. They're so cute, right? Well, we read this in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses nine to 11. And you, and you see this, right? This idea of discipline. And as we look at these words, there's this sense that as our heavenly father disciplines us, like we get to model that character and we get to live that out around us. And so that means that, right, we keep our kids on the path, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will guide your path, right? And so when we get off that path as parents, and when we see that in terms of character issues, when we see that in terms of, you know, just basic discipline issues, like our call is to say, hey, you're off the path. You should come back on the path. And that is not a thing because we don't love them. That's what we do because we do love them, right? And so often it can be so hard for us because we want the short-term positive, right? But we know so often that what we see in the things of God, that when we have those short-term sacrifices, we get long-term benefit on the backside of it. And for us who are in charge of instilling in, in character in our children, and for us who are in charge of, you know, raising up this next generation to know God, to love God, to serve God, as we do that, there's a sense that like there are things we do, but there are things we don't do as well. And I believe God has put us in these positions to keep them on that path and to show that path forward. And I could do like a three-week sermon series on that, but we're just going to pause right there and move to number three, which says, I'm with you. Hebrews chapter 13, five, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You see, when our kids know that we're in this with them and that we are absolutely there and that there is nothing they could do that would make us love them more, nothing we could do that would make us love them less. When they understand that and begin to operate from that place, we begin to model the character of a God who says, I am with you and I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And I'll give you a quick tip as we walk through this. This is just a freebie right here. Proximity does not equal presence. Okay. So like proximity doesn't equal presence. Like just because I'm in the same room, let's pretend this is my iPad. It's about that size, right? And I'm like this for an hour. Proximity does not equal presence, right? But a sense of like when we can put down, we can have real conversations, when we begin to be intentional about the things that we're speaking over our children, the things that we're speaking into our children, the things that we're instilling into our kids. And if you want a good case study on this and try to figure out, you know, words create worlds. What's the world you're creating in your home with your words? And is it really a reflection of a God who loves you and you're passing it back to your kids? Just grab your kids and say, what's something that mommy says all the time? Say, what's something that daddy says all the time? And you can just, you know, play that game. That'll be fun, right? But, but as you start to see that, right, they're going to tell you the truth and, you, and you'll start to see that. And when they say things that maybe you don't like, then we need to start saying, okay, you know, this, this is a heart issue and it's also a discipline issue, right? And so I need to get myself right here a little better so that I can get myself right here a little better. But so often, instead of getting ourselves better right here, we're getting ourselves right here and we get stuck in these places. And in these places, what happens is people become objects. People become things. They become means to an end. It's a comparison trap and we start to figure out, are we good enough? And we start to live out of this place of insecurity from the iPad, not the Bible, right? Just to be clear on that, right? And, and we, get, we get to that place, right? And we start to say, like, what's really defining who I am? Because that's going to overflow into those conversations. And that's going to overflow into this sense of I believe in you. I'm with you. I love you. And I'm going to keep you on the right path. 
And so we want to be people who lead with love. And again, this isn't just a workspace thing, right? But because we go to the end of this passage in verse 32, and Paul is still talking to you about this, right? And he's like, so, so you used to be one way, now you're another way. It used to be about what you could get from people, but now it's about what we can give from people, what we can give to people. And we've been given these words, and we've been given this ability to use them. So how are we using them? Are we being good with them? And he gets to verse 32, and he says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Okay? And there's a comma there. Right? Because this isn't just like, you got to do this and be good enough at this so you know that you come face to face with Jesus one day and he's like, where are you do those things, right? And it's like a checklist thing. But he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. See, this isn't a willpower thing, it's a worship thing. And when we understand all that's been done for us in this direction, right, it changes the way we operate in this direction. And when we get ourselves right and aligned with God and we begin to see that, okay, I've received this grace upon grace upon grace in my life and my heart has been transformed and I've been set free from my past, from my sins, from my, all of that stuff, right? And I've been set free and I'm a new creation as Paul talks about. It used to be this way, now it's this way and everything has changed and everything is transformed and everything is different on the inside Then what begins to flow out of my mouth is out of a transformed heart. And so what we celebrate this morning, right, is that, that that's there for us. And then no matter what we've done, right, no matter where we've been, there's nothing we could do that can make God love us less. And that grace and that forgiveness is there for us this morning. And so for some of us, maybe, maybe we need to get that right this morning for the first time and just say, hey, I've been living one way and I want to have that kind of Damascus Road experience that Paul had. And I can have a conversation that says I used to live this way, but now I live this way because of the radical transforming grace of Jesus Christ in my life. But then for some of us, right, we, we've been following Jesus and we've gotten to this place where it's like, you know, we know the right things and we just kind of, we don't spend enough time here with Jesus. And so we start to, you know, drift a little bit and we start to say different things and we get a little off course and all those kind of things. And I just want to challenge you this morning that the things that we fill ourselves with, right, the things that we fill our hearts with are going to be the words that overflow from our mouths. And so there's a, there's a temptation, right, to just, you know, be online, to watch, you know, do all the things, listen, you know, get with parents and, you know, complain about our kids and all that kind of stuff and say, just send more wine and it'll all be fine, right? And we, we just do like kind of get in that mode and like those are the words we say and those are the words we operate. Eventually, like that shapes our heart to believe those things, right? And so how do we keep staying ourselves centered? How do we keep reminding ourselves of the goodness of God in our lives so that we can begin to speak the truth of God over those children and over the people around us? And so one of the things that I've learned is that this idea of it's, it's, it's worship and the worship leads to a discipline, right? And when we, when we see the goodness of God in our lives, it begins to change the way that we speak to those around us. And last week um, we had VBS and I, I had one of like the best jobs at all of VBS. That I was the greeter, right? So I just get to stand at the door and like high five everybody. And like if they start crying, it, it doesn't matter to me because they're in with somebody else at that point, right? And if problems start happening, it's cool. If somebody spills something, whatever, I got to cover the door. And so, so I'm just out of the door, right? And so I'm standing there and I just kind of high five every kid that comes in that morning and tell them, so glad you're here. You know, your, your hair looks great. Your dress is cool. Shirt's awesome. You know, just nothing but like positive stuff, right? And I just start like kind of having to do that. And so, you know, you got 300 kids here, right? You got 300 kids coming in. And so I start speaking a lot of words over these kids and then they, they leave. And so each day it's like 600, you know, conversations. And that's not even counting, just walking through the hall of like, so glad you're here. What's up? High five, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I just start like flexing that muscle over and over and over and over and over and over 
over and over and over and over again, right? And so then um, it was Wednesday night. So at this point, I'd had, you know, what, about 1,800 of these conversations at a minimum, right? And we're down at Amici down there at um, 38 Avenue. We're grabbing dinner with some friends. And our kids were playing over on the green space. And so they called us and said, your table's ready. And Rachel's like, go get the kids. So I'm walking down to go grab Owen and some friends. And there's this line of kids on vacation, right? And they're kind of walking towards us. And they're all like decked out in vacation gear. They're ready to eat dinner. They're all excited. And just like instinctually, I'm just like, what's up? How y'all doing? So glad you're here, right? And I just like start high-fiving them. And literally they're like, what's wrong? You know, you see like parents are like, you know, holding their kids back like what's up with that guy right and there's this sense though right like I just like filled my heart with that so much so many times that like it becomes instinctual right but what's also important in that is like I felt like that when I see those kids it's like I saw them because they were like having a good time and I think like if it wasn't VBS week I'd have been like Taurus just taking up another table at our restaurant right right but there's like something that like shapes my heart in that right And so for us, like when we understand the goodness of God and when we begin to like fill ourselves with that and we choose to lead with love, we start to see things differently. We start to talk differently. We start to live differently. We start to see the goodness of God. Then we start to give it and it just becomes this cycle of grace over and over and over again. And so this morning, I just hope that that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is for you, God is with you, God is in you. I hope you know that beyond the shadow of a doubt this morning that God has gifted you with the words that he has given you. I know that for everybody in this room, we have influence over the next generation. And the big question is like, how do we use those words that God has gifted us to speak life into those kids? Do we see them as the gift that they are? Do we see them as the grace that they are? The grace upon grace upon grace that they are. You see, when we get this right, we get this right. And so this week, I just want to challenge you to lead with love in your words. In every interaction, in every reaction, in every situation that you can just speak life, you can speak love, you can speak joy, you can speak hope. And as we begin to speak it, we begin to see it. And when we begin to see it, we begin to speak it. And when we begin to speak it, we begin to see it. And when we see it, we speak it. And you see how that goes. And we just live this life of gratitude and thanksgiving for a God who gives us more love and more compassion and more grace and more forgiveness than we could ever deserve. Amen? So let's pray. God, we pray that you'd help us to be people who lead with love in our words. I pray, God, that you would um, condition our hearts so that we just see your grace everywhere we go. And as we see that grace and as we see that forgiveness in our lives, God, may we see others the same way you see us. And may we give that love and may we give that grace and may we give that forgiveness. So God, as we sit on this week um, that we're getting ready to begin, we're moving into the fourth and a lot of things going on in the summertime, I just pray that we can take these few minutes this morning, God, to just focus on who you say we are. And God, if we haven't received that grace that we would just say to you this morning that, gosh, we've lived in our old way and we're so ready for a different way. And God, I just find myself so negative and so focused on all the wrong things and my desires are all the wrong directions. And God, I just wish that you would just come into my heart and renew me this morning. And for some of us, you know, we've just gotten a little off the path and we just, we just need to say no to some things. And we need to redirect ourselves and get refocused on the path that you'd have for us this morning. And so God, whatever circumstance, situation we find ourselves in this morning, I pray that we can just focus on your goodness in these last few minutes together. And as we do that, may us compel us to leave this place speaking words of life, speaking words of love, speaking words of hope because of who you are in our lives. So we give thanks to you this morning, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen.
You have been listening to sermon audio from Good News Church in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. We have Sunday services at 8.15, 9.30, and 11. If you are interested in finding more information on our church or ways to get further involved, visit goodnewschurch.life. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you soon.